Sure. Cole. It is day 1,000. <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems like. Of distancing, isolation, but all for a good reason. How are you doing? Good, good. I think last night we reached a tipping point when it came to uh, making dinner. It's just like a constant making food and cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> and that's you know, like, I swear. That's another thing our dishes are just piling up. <laughs> Bonjour, everybody. Welcome to Native Light Speedopi. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. And in this podcast, we are connecting with folks in the Native community here in Minnesota during the COVID-19 pandemic, kind of providing connection in these distancing, social distancing times. Yeah, and today we're speaking with Deb Foster, the executive director of Inda Young Center in St. Paul. And she was also a guest on season two of Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. That's right. So be sure, if you haven't listened to it yet, to check it out. Because in that episode, we get to hear about Minoski, a permanent supportive housing facility in the Frogtown neighborhood in St. Paul. Oh, I think we have Deb Foster on the line. Hello. Boujou. Hi there. Howdy. Hi. Okay. We hear you loud and clear. Can you hear us? I can. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll just start out with, if you could please introduce yourself, and then we'll continue on with the questions. Okay, well, uh, Deb Foster, uh, Executive Director at the Ingda Young Center. I've been there about uh, a little over 10 and a half years now. You know, we just finished a a huge $17.5 million project um, and built a 42-unit permanent supportive housing um, for 18 to 24-year-olds that opened up in October, grand opening in November. This is uh, Minooshki and Dayang, which is Ojibwe for a good new home. Is it full? How many people are there? Yes, it, you know, it fluctuates. I mean, it, uh, it filled up immediately. And one of the reasons that uh, I think that we filled up so quickly was the word of mouth of the young people. They walked in, really felt like this was home, that this really belonged to them. And uh, so word got out and they started telling all of their friends. And so it filled up quickly. Now things have fluctuated since then because as we know, our young people in this particular age group are struggling with multitude of issues everything stemming from chemical dependency, you know, trauma, mental health issues, and so forth. You know, some of them um, are no longer with us for various reasons. We've had then new people move in. And so I think right now we have like 39 youth there. So, yeah, so it's 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 a tough group of kids, um, but that's why we built it, you know, was because these were the kids that needed something like this uh, in order for them to even have a chance at um, establishing any of their, their dreams that they so deserve. How has the pandemic, you know, changed Minoski? Just how, how has it affected operations? Oh, well, uh, 
it's changed a lot in um, our our ability to obviously see our youth face to face. Um, most everybody is uh, working remotely. Um, we do have 24-hour staffing, so we do have a staff person, and now we've added a couple of staff. So we're doubling up on staff on certain nights and certain days of the week um, just to provide some additional support to these young people and also to make sure that our staff feel like they have a partner, that they feel safe, that kind of thing. Each youth has a case manager. We have an on-site uh, youth and family therapist and, uh, and other folks, uh, property managers like that. And they're doing a lot of uh, kind of face-to-face. -face. A lot of our cultural activities um, are being facilitated through Zoom. Um, so it's, it's challenging as it is for everybody that, you know, we can't just sit down with these kids and, and they, you know, and, and they can't just walk down from their apartments and knock on the doors, you know, and I'm sure like everybody else, the kids are feeling a little isolated. Um, social distancing, I don't think they understand what that means. Um, and we've posted stuff everywhere about the importance of social distancing and uh, keeping themselves safe, washing hands, masks, the whole nine yards. Um, but, you know, these are 18 to 24-year-olds, for starters. And secondly, they're 18 to 24-year-olds who have been through a significant amount of trauma in their life. Um, so they like to congregate, you know, these are rental units, they are their apartments. So it's, you know, we can just guide them and, and encourage them as much as possible. So we're a little concerned about that, but, um, you know, keeping an eye on it. Sure. Is everybody healthy? Um, you know, we haven't heard of anybody yet. Uh, we've had a couple of people who have had symptoms. I think we had a a young person who had symptoms earlier this week or late last week, Friday, I think. Um, but he's doing a pretty good job of he's staying in his room. So other than that, we have not in terms of COVID. I mean, there's just so many other things going on. I mean, these kids are struggling with chemical dependency issues and, and emotional issues. And, and that's what we're seeing on a daily basis. Yeah, they're getting the same type of support and uh, resource acquisition that they were before is just more of on a on a virtual level than it was before. Gotcha. And do you have everything you need as far as like supplies? Because you mentioned masks. You know, are they wearing masks? Yeah, you know we the, we have masks available. Um, and um, I don't, I couldn't tell you um, directly if their kids are wearing masks. I'm going to guess that they're not, um, but they have them available to them. We have big posters everywhere and, and, and signs that, you know, clearly demonstrating the things that they need to do to keep themselves safe. Um, we have had several donations of masks and gloves. Um, for our staff and for the residents, um, and also 
uh, hand sanitizer that was made and was delivered to us and so forth. So, yes, people have been really thoughtful and really generous with uh, making sure that we have the supplies that we need for our kids and youth. We're staying on top of it. As, and, um, Great. Okay, um, good to know. Yeah, I had a, I was curious, um, from speaking with, you know, the architect, Michael Labrador, and like hearing your words on the podcast, it was clear that uh, Malax spiritual leader, Herb Sam, has been a great influence on the, on the center. Do you have any thoughts on what he may say in a time like this? I'm not trying to have you like put words in his mouth, but I'm just curious, you know, what, what do you think about that? Um, well, Herb has passed away. Uh, he was um, a beautiful human being who was a part of this project from the very beginning, um, back in yeah. the days when this was just a vision. He uh, opened up quite a few doors for us for the Malax Band of Ojibwe to be a part of this project. He did the site blessing when the land was purchased. He held uh, talking circles with our young people to garner their thoughts about this new building. The building was literally designed around what the young people wanted and needed. He actually named Mino Oshke in Dayang, a good new home. He also did the ground blessing right before construction started. Critical component of how Mino Oshki came to be was in part because of him and his blessings. Nice. Um, and yeah, like, do you have any you know, thoughts on what, on how he would, you know, think about the, the pandemic, you know, how we deal with it culturally? Um, and, or do you have thoughts on like what's been taught to, you know, give strength at times like these? I think you know, first and foremost, Herb would make, he would say, make sure that people are laughing. Um, he was always somebody that, uh, you know, had uh, silly jokes and always putting jokes out there, always making sure that people were laughing. I think secondly, he, you know, obviously would make sure that, uh, you know, that we are surrounding our kids with their medicines and with their teachings um, which we are doing. So I think that he would approve. We are smudging the building pretty regularly and the kids have been gifted sweetgrass and sage. Um, right now we're in the process of putting together, um, little we care baskets. And in these baskets are going to be, each one is going to get a shell with some sage, um, along with some other medicines. And um, and then we're in journals and things like that, along with some snacks. Um, the kids love their Cheetos. And so we're going to be <laughs> giving them their Cheetos and some probably cookies and, and things like that, too, with a little card just letting them know that, um, you know, that we do care and that there are people surrounding them that do care. Um, and then also gifting them with, with some medicines that they can use in their apartments. They're doing virtual uh, singing, sing, singings at the drum. They're doing virtual dancing, virtual how to make a, a fire from scratch, you know, and just language and all of that. So um, it is the whole purpose of Mino Oshki in, in Nayang 
it's all about providing an opportunity for our young people to heal and to um, reestablish their sense of identity as young Native people, because many of them have lost that because of, you know, obviously they were raised by parents or grandparents that were stripped of their language and their culture. And so there's a lot of loss of identity, which I think creates some of the, the hardship for them. So our that's the first priority for us is to reestablish that for them and get them grounded in what it truly means to be a young American Indian. Oh, that's really wonderful. Learning how to make fire from scratch. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> like these um, skills that, you know, we might need soon enough. Who knows? So. Yeah, I know. Well, Deb, we want to make sure to ask, how are you doing? How's it going for you? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, geez, indeed. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm hanging in there. Um, I'm a people person. I'm an extrovert. So this is really challenging. And and at the same time, I'm I'm... I don't like pictures being taken of me. Um, so this video Zooming thing is like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and people are starting to get mad, you know. Damn, the whole purpose of Zooming is to see you. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> um, so it was really hard the first four weeks. And now that we're kind of past that, it's kind of, I fluctuate between, okay, I can, you know, this is really stressful to, well, this is kind of how it is now, right? <laughs> like, I can't even, it's hard to imagine going back to work. Oh, it's, oh going yeah. back to work is going to take so much work. <laughs> well, thank you for the work you do, Deb, and the work your staff does. And it just sounds like a really amazing place and, um, yeah, so just yeah, Chimigwech too. Thank you so much for reaching out. <laughs> of course, I like that. You know, keep keep laughing. Yeah, suggestion, <gasps> and it obviously ties back to Bidapi. It does. Oh, Herb Sam. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. yep, it's that Malax mind meld. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really great to hear. It sounds like it's the, the work is continuing, and you know, youth are still having a place to to stay. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Native Lights Bidapi. Native Lights Bidapi is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers, made possible by funding from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Yeah, and if you'd like to help us spread the word about Native Lights, please give us a five star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and every major listening app, as well as minnesotanativenews.org. And if there's someone you'd like to hear us catch up with, please send us an email at nativelights@ampers.org, or find Minnesota Native News on Facebook or Instagram. Giga Bye now.